0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, welcome to the Sage Sayers. I'm your show host, Debbie Gardiner McCullough, DG McCullough. I'm a narrative coach and a communications coach from New Zealand based in the fine state of Wisconsin. In each episode, the Sage Sayers Weekly podcast looks at communications tips and strategies, and we interview interesting individuals from all around the world who found the gift and the opportunity to In life's challenges. In this week's podcast, I'm coming back after a couple of weeks off. I had the Omicron cold, so excuse the absence of the weekly podcast, but we're back in action. And I'm using this week's episode to unpack the communication challenges that my coaches came to me with throughout January, even December, and even into February. This is a culmination of different challenges my coaches came to me with, but the goal is really just to showcase what it is that's on the minds of the world's communicators, the kinds of struggles that leaders are grappling with, and hopefully through sharing the ways we unpack these challenges, you can learn something new that you can plug in to your very next communications challenge. So the biggest problem, well one of the biggest problems that I heard from leaders came to me around the topic of love. How do I, for instance, respond when my partner won't say I love you? I loved this challenge and I loved that this particular communicator came to me with this challenge. It really says so much to me that the leaders that we're working with, the leaders that are in front of us, they're just people like you and me. So knowing that this was a coaching session, here's what came to me. I knew that this leader wanted to hear the words, I love you, after sharing these words herself. It was the absence of these three simple words in spite of other positive loving signals Came a communication challenge, getting in her way. So how did we tackle things? Well, we tried a three-pronged approach. First of all, unpacking the problem behind the problem. There was a worry there that in asking such a bold question, with not hearing the words, I love you, that we can sound a little thorny or combative or a little abrupt. But this communicator didn't feel any of those things. She also had some worries around what the absence of those words might signal. I mean, wishy-washiness, for instance, if she weren't hearing those words, could this be signaling something else that could be in the way? The second we hashed out, how she might ask this question to gain the vital clarity that she seeks, but not sounding accusatory or blaming or needy, because that wasn't the way she was feeling at all. We determined that a coaching discovery approach felt best. So, noticing, for instance, what's there. So, something like, I notice when I tell you I love you, nothing comes back. What's there? And then we determined before she went into the conversation, of course, how she wanted to sound. So, I often ask this question how do you want to sound in your message? This particular communicator, kind of communicator wanted to sound strong. Fair, curious, and balanced. And she also found through the coaching what the opportunity was here. This conversation provided a forum to say what she really wanted all along. And that was she needed open, direct communication. Another popular theme from the coaching throughout January and into February as well stands around bullying. This is National Anti-Bullying Month in the States here along with National Women's History Month and African American History Month. And so bullying's really on my mind as a coach. I have experienced, I have been a target of workplace bullying. So my heart goes out to those who come to me for help on how do I draw boundaries with my bully? How do I stand up to them in ways where I can still keep my job? But also how can I stand up in ways where I can plan my departure because most targets wind up wanting to leave. Here's how targets of bullying that I've had the pleasure and honour of working with have co-created strategy and the strategy we found works. First of all, we need to examine what's really going on and what's really feeling hard. Often when we're struggling with bullying, it's a want to depart the scene that activates our saboteurs, our inner critics. And oftentimes a target of bullying may find the judge, the victim, and the hypervigilant saboteurs might be getting in their way. We also often feel fearful that the bully, often a boss or a manager, might obstruct our wanting to leave. Our judge, our inner judge, the head critic in charge of all of our minds, will often lie to us in these moments and let us feel un. that the bully controls our destiny, even though they don't. Second, we determine the concerns about the situation. And this is a wonderful Stephen Covey approach. It's called the circles of control, concern, and influence. So we look first at the concerns of the situation, all the worries coming up for us. Then we look at the parts that we have no control over whatsoever, and then examine the parts that we do have influence over. This is a really powerful activity. Anytime you have a concern, plug this in, and it applies really well to bullying bosses as well. So in this situation with my coaches coaches who are struggling with bullying, we found that the parts that we do have influence over will often far exceed the parts that we have no control over whatsoever. So it's very visually empowering to sketch out this the concerns, all of them. And then look at those concerns and say, okay, of these concerns, which parts do I have no control over? Of these concerns, which parts do I have influence over? Seeing that we have more influence than no control is very empowering. With this, you can create some mantras to remind yourself that you do indeed have this influence. Oh, well, I'm leaving anyway, or I won't be here long, or whatever it is, or I control my destiny. Whatever it is, create those mantras after you've done this activity and you'll feel much stronger. Next, we've co-created a strategy around the communication piece. Often fine targets find it's easier to overly communicate deliverables. This will cut down on interactions when the bully is not worried as much about what you're doing. They'll back off. Sometimes showing others that the bullying is present. If you can do this in, in strategic ways, it will reduce things as a bully will feel humiliated, they'll feel exposed. And then defining when you're available and when you're not available. Not checking emails after hours will reduce the stress and empower you, the target. Then there's that main communication piece, which be very strategic and well-timed, but that one is alerting the bullying the bully, that the bullying must stop. And doing so is quite vital before you go to HR. The other theme for this past month's coaching really came around meetings. And I noticed more and more new managers coming to me, finding that managing meetings is getting tricky, and even more so when their inner judge takes over. I've noticed with managers all across the globe, anyone who's newly appointed a new role really high up in the C-suite or a new rising emerging manager, oftentimes our judge gets very, very active. And so simple things like conducting a meeting can feel really daunting and saboteur-inducing. So I had a lot of cries for help throughout January coming around meeting management, specifically laying out the agenda and ensuring that the team got the outcome that they wanted and needed within the time frame and without going over. So what I'm offering here are communication tips, strategies as well, that I've co-created with a handful of leaders and everything that I'm about to offer has been tried and tested. So try it out and let me know how you do. The first technique, just state that agenda up top. Thanks the team for coming in, but ask them what it is that they hope to get out of the time too. The tactic there is in saying, okay, thanks for coming in. Here's the agenda. This is what I hoped we'd covered today. What are you hoping, in addition, that we cover? Is there anything new? In doing so, you're going to seem really audience-centered and hopefully get some engagement going as well. You do want to challenge your inner critics before going into a meeting. You want to ask yourself what negative emotions are coming up for me as I leave this meeting, especially the first one, which can seem really spooky. And you will want to address all of those concerns, whether they're small and large. Once you've addressed all of the negative emotions coming up, ground yourself through mindfulness techniques. You can do something as simple as I'm doing now, rubbing the fingers of one hand over the front and the back of the other, Or you can take two fingers and gently feel for your pulse. Just gently feel for your pulse. Or you can take two fingers and rub them together intentionally. Using these tactile mindfulness techniques can be very, very grounding indeed. You can do them going into the meeting, even during the meeting, especially if it's remote. You have that newscaster framing going on. So your hands can be under your desk, gently rubbing two fingers together or taking the fingers of one hand and stroking the other throughout the entire meeting. And it's really effective. But once you've done the grounding prior to your first meeting, you want to challenge the lies that you're hearing from your judge. Doing so will really expose the to uh, sorry, uh, observe, observe, Absurd, most of the lies are because they're usually silly and ridiculous, and poke a stick at them. And you can even counter the lies by saying that's not true. That's not true because once you've gone through this powerful mental fitness activity, you'll feel more grounded, more peaceful, and exude executive presence. You can also use the empathy power to challenge your judge's view on you. The audience and your situation. When we're feeling really activated and our judge is very active in our minds, we often assume the situation. We think that the team's there to boo us rather than root for us. And once you're in that more peaceful place, no longer assuming ill intent from our audience or uh, hoping that we'll fail. Look for the smiling, bobbing head in the audience and don't avoid assuming that someone who's frowning or flatlining feels disdain. We have no idea what's going on with this person. They may have someone ill at home. They may be worried. Maybe they ate something that didn't agree with them. The tactic here is once you employ the empathy power and challenge your judge's view on you, the audience, and your situation, you'll start to see yourself as more equal and worthy and with that, more confidence as well. Separately, I still in the theme of meeting management, I have a lot of requests on how do I steer things back to the agenda. I'm hearing from the field that now that we're, many are coming back to the office or there's been long, drawn-out, work-from-home situations, now that teams are back, they're getting rowdy, and nobody really wants to get to the point of the meeting. But when you're managing, that's your job. So how do you steer the meeting in ways that aren't too bossy, but get things on track? Well, there's no one way to do it, but here are a couple of te- techniques that I've co-created with coaches, and they've told me they really work. The first one is just challenging this idea that when you're interrupting, you're, you're being rude. Well, no, not at all. Nobody wants a meeting to go over, and everyone wants it to end on time. So interrupting services your audience. It's in service of them. Another technique, notice and even comment on the energy. So if everyone's chit-chatting and laughing, comment on it. Enjoy it with them. Great to see everyone's revved up today or great to see the team enjoying themselves. I'm loving this camaraderie here. So comment on what you sense and feel. You can then pick up the language that the audience lays down and use that language to gently segue through the work at hand to the agenda. So for instance, lovely to hear your thoughts on X, which is where we're headed today in this meeting. May I gently guide us to get started? And then you can use a framing phrase or a sentence to signal the intent your intent to redirect the attention to the topic. So here's an example. In the spirit of brevity and stopping on time, let's get going with today's agenda. So there you have it. The biggest themes, worries, and the challenges that communicators have come to me with this past month and how we've tackled things together. I hope you've found some lessons or some gems that you can plug into your very next meeting. And if you have the misfortune of being a target of bullying, I hope the wisdom there helped. And if you're wondering how to tackle a direct conversation on love, then you have some different techniques to play with there too. You've been listening to The Sage Sayers, and I am DG McCullough calling in tonight from snowy Wisconsin. It's been a pleasure having you with me on the show tonight. Thank you so much for listening. In my show notes, you can find my Calendly link, my LinkedIn profile, and consider me as a communications coach for either groups or one-on-one as well. Take good care. Thanks for listening, and we'll speak with you again soon.